0: This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered, Judas, not Iscariot, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Will teach you everything, and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I live with. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the rites of passage is a uh, Chicago public school student growing up in high school was that trip to the Chicago River. The trip to the Chicago River to study the waterway and to maybe even clean up a little tiny portion of it with your biology class. And I remember vividly doing this, getting on the school bus, driving from Lincoln Park over to the Foster branch of the Chicago River just behind Gompers Park there on Foster. And piling out and getting all dressed up in waders or whatever other equipment that they had and getting into the Chicago River. You get in there and you run a smattering of tests, oxygen levels, you survey the local ecosystem to see if you could see what animals were living in the area, flow and depth tests, everything to see if we could better understand this waterway in our own city. Then at the end, they'd politely ask us to clean up the little portion where we found ourselves, which my first year meant finding an entire uh, dining set there, right in the middle of the river. It was amazing the things you will find in that place. You see, clean is not something synonymous with the Chicago River. I don't know if you know that or if you've had that experience. Those are not things i would put together. In fact, I know this because I remember coming home and my mom's rules, and she learned this with my older brothers before me, was The clothes you wear to the river are never to be worn again. You undress outside, you put them in the garbage, and you pretend it never happened. Do you understand? This is for my mom, who's a pretty go-with-the-flow kind of gal otherwise, but the Chicago River is where she drew the line, because she knew it wasn't exactly the, well, let's say cleanest water source. And we see this, right? The way we treat it. That's why we have no hesitation to dye it green for St. Patrick's Day, because ah, it'll be fine. The fish will understand it's St. Patrick's Day, right? Or that's why at one point in our history, we just decided to reverse its flow altogether in a feat of amazing engineering taking place in the year 1900. I spent some of my time this last week looking at just what all it took for that to happen. Over 28 miles worth of canals were dug to help reverse the flow of the river for the purpose of diverting our waste away from our drinking water. In other words, reversing the flow away from Lake Michigan and sending it down towards the Mississippi for them to deal with down there which is where I came across perhaps my favorite quote of this research this week, coming from Josh Mogerman of the National Resource Defense Council. And This is how he describes this feat of engineering. Rather than clean up our act, we decided we'd do something audacious and reverse the river and send our poo down to St. Louis instead. There you go. That sums it up in a nutshell, right? Rather than change the way we act, we go out of our way to create ways to keep doing things the way we like. Certainly, that is a challenge. And, I think plays nicely into our reading out of Revelation, John's vision of the new Jerusalem, a vision of what is and what can be. A vision of what can be if we are willing to change, to live into what God has done for us what it is is a harmonious life in communion with God and all of God's people. And there, smack dab in the center, is flowing a river, a river of the water of life. But our journey doesn't begin at the river. Actually, our journey begins at the top of a mountain where most good faith journeys begin, right? Because when you get to the mountaintop, it means that you are close proximity to the divine. And we've seen this play out time and time again. The giving of the Ten Commandments with Moses happens atop the mountain close to God. Even the transfiguration of Jesus himself is a mountaintop experience close to God. What's interesting is that the action, actually, as it turns out, isn't happening atop the mountain where the angel starts with us, but instead, the action is happening below in the city, in a city with one interesting characteristic that new characteristic is that there is no temple in the city. And that's important because if you've read through Scripture, you would know the centrality, that importance of that temple. The temple is the place where one encounters God here on earth, a place that in some ways separates the world around from the God found therein. And suddenly it is gone. The temple is gone, and yet God is still there. In fact, we're told that the temple is now everywhere, that God's presence is no longer limited to a room or a building, but God's presence is everywhere. In other words, the temple is now long, no longer place but presence. And the presence of God is important. Certainly, it's important for us in our cities, our cities who face ecological destruction or hazard. Believe it or not, we've already tipped into wildfire season in our country, and it is a dangerous season to live. There's wildfires raging in western Texas as we speak. But that's not the only thing that's raging among our cities and towns and villages. There's other things ravaging them too, like racism and violence, sometimes of which we can't even separate the two because one is a feedback loop into the other, and we saw this play out in the shootings in Buffalo where 10 people died and others were injured, or even in shootings in our own city, sometimes the likes of which I can't even keep up with anymore, because you don't have to look far to see this violence breaking out. You see, that is the thing. These are just a few examples of the more than 198 mass shootings that have happened in our country since the beginning of the year. Since the beginning of the year, we are at about 200 mass shootings in our country. We're not even halfway through the year yet, and here we are. Clearly, we and our cities that are burning, whether it be with fires or with violence or injustice, are in need of God's presence. The very presence that last week in Revelation we were told is so caring and loving stoops down to wipe the very tears from our eyes, of which I would argue there are many. Then, the vision continues with something perhaps even more astounding: a gate that is always open. Because you see, gates, and locks, are hallmarks of villages and households meant to separate us right, from the people or things that we deem unsafe. We like to know the comfort of locked doors and locked gates. I'll never forget my rural immersion trip, my second year of seminary to Nebraska. We pulled up to our host house, and the car that we were expecting to see there wasn't in the driveway waiting. There's only the, the pickup truck. And so we looked around, and we thought, oh, great, they're not here now. We've got to sit out here with our luggage. Oh, no. There was a sign on the door that said, door unlocked, let yourself in. What world are we living in? But my favorite part was underneath, and it also said in parentheses, and the keys are under the mat in the truck. They are letting strangers from Chicago into their house and driving their cars and saw nothing wrong with it. I have never been more discomforted in my life. I could not sleep a lick when we were in Nebraska. Scared the ever-living daylights out of me. Because the thought of an opened or unlocked door simply was too much for me to handle. It still is. The last question that I am required by law to answer before bed that my wife asks me every night is, are the doors locked, honey? Probably. Well, are you going to check? (laughs) Sure. Sure go downstairs and do it. Why? Because we find safety in these things. So to think of an entire city where the gate is never closed by day and there is never night is an astounding thing to say the least. Because that means that there is nothing to prevent people from crossing boundaries or crossing borders. This, this is the vision that God has here. This is what a new Jerusalem can look like and it is jarring to say the least. But that's not even the end of it, because not only are we welcoming people in in search of basic necessities, things like shelter, food and water, but they're actually providing those very things. The river of the waters of life, which is pristine and accessible to all people, regardless of where they live in this city. How often in your life have you been able to look at a water source and say, ooh, that's pristine? Have you had that experience? I'm not well-traveled enough, let's just put it that way. I've never stood in front of a body water and said, ooh, that looks pristine. Why? Because human impact has made that harder and harder to find. Whether we do things intentionally, like the Chicago River just completely rerouting it to send our waste down the way, or maybe even unintentionally. I just learned a few weeks ago, there's this little sign on our bottle of sunscreen that we bought that said Reef-Friendly Sunscreen. Have any of you ever seen that little sign? I never knew that before. And you want to know what makes it reef-friendly? Is that it's missing the chemicals that otherwise are causing coral bleaching at such alarming rates that it may completely destroy our world's coral reefs. The sunscreen that we put on our kids before I throw my kid into the ocean is causing coral reef bleaching. I didn't know I was contributing to such a terrible thing, but yet here we are. Sometimes our impact is unintentional, but it is harmful nonetheless. But it's not just a river, it's also a tree of life as well. I think it's a fitting end to scripture, right? We begin in a garden, we end in a city, but at the center of both is a tree a tree that produces fruit, in this case, continually. There is never a season where it doesn't produce, which means there is an abundance for all people, which is important because we live in a country where not all people have enough. The 2020 Census said that 11.8% of our population in this country are classified as food insecure, meaning unsure if they will have access to ample dietary and nutritional needs at each and every meal of the day. 11.8%. That's 37 million people, roughly. But you know what's wilder? That same census estimates that 40% of the food in our country is wasted. 40%. Do you see the disparity here? That means, and it it comes out to 130 billion meals a year in our country alone, are wasted. While yet 37 million people are going hungry. In other words, we have the abundance to experience what the vision is in this reading here today, that all people have access to food at all times, and yet we create barriers, loops and hoops and jumps to restrict people from having that kind of access, but it's not just a tree that feeds people with its fruit, I think most importantly for me this day are the leaves of that tree, the leaves for the healing of the nations, because as we turn on our news, we can see that our nations are, need, are in need of healing, whether it be our own country with the divisions found therein, in, or this yet raging war in Eastern Europe and Ukraine, we are in need of these leaves and such healing. And the common thread through each of these parts of this vision of healing is the breaking down of barriers. Begins with the breaking down of the barrier between people and God, making the temple the universal presence. Then it's the breaking down of barriers between people by the opening of gates and the healing of nations. Because when we break down barriers, when we welcome people in, when we open ourselves up to the outsider, what we're doing more than anything is participating in this vision that God has for us. A vision of abundant hope, light, and life for all people. But I think the key in all of this is that this vision is not just something for us to admire from far away, but it's a vision that lays out the work that we should be doing ourselves now. This is the very thing that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said when he preached on this very same text. He said, It's all right to talk about long white robes over yonder and all of its symbolism, but ultimately people want some suits and dresses and shoes to wear down here. It's all right to talk about streets flowing with milk and honey. But God has commanded us to be concerned about the slums down here and his children who can't eat three square meals a day. It's all right to talk about the new Jerusalem. But one day, God's preacher must talk about the new New York, the new Atlanta, the new Philadelphia, the new Los Angeles, the new Memphis, and Tennessee. This is what we have to do. It's not enough to admire a vision of hope and healing. Instead, we have to do something about it, something as audacious as living that reality now, taking down the barriers that separate us from fully loving and opening our love and access to God's love now, to create a space and a place where all people are fed now, where the healing of the nations happens now because those gifts are here they are among us and they are in our hands but it's up to us to do that audacious thing and make a vision a reality something that we are called to do just one little piece at a time until we experience the fullness of what that vision could be now forever thanks be to god amen